Welcome to Athletes and Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct, and we've created a platform to help alumni network and connect with their affinity groups. So whether it's athletes, it could be college alumni, it could be business alumni associations, fraternities, sororities, we bring them all together to make it easy for them to connect. Uh, and this show is all about talking to, we, we talk to former collegiate professional athletes, and we talk about their journey uh, in transitioning out of sports, which is a major issue today. There's a lot of problems uh, on both the uh, financial literacy, mental health side, and you know, Eric is an expert on the mental health side, so we're going to you know, get, get a good uh, coverage on that. Uh, but the whole idea is to teach and inspire athletes if there's life after sports. So uh, Erica Fay is with us. How you doing, Erica? I'm good, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. So Erica played water polo at Purdue. So this is my first one. Mm-hmm. I've had swimmers, we've had wrestlers, football players. So water polo, thank you for being the first one for that. Uh, my and, pleasure. Uh, and women's water polo, no less. Polo. <laughs> she's tra- yeah, she's got a good story with that that she'll share with us. So, uh, and then uh, after that, she um, once she um, got out of college and started transitioning out of sports, she is a marathon runner and run multiple marathons that she'll talk a little bit about. And then she got into... Um, different types of therapy, uh, uh, family therapy, marriage counseling, things of that nature. But ultimately now today, uh, she got into coaching and she has, I, I, I said, I'd look at it. I had to look at it again, but it's maximum achievement uh, coaching. Uh, and mm-hmm. she works with a lot of different um, athletes and just helping them and their families in their journey. So I um, always like to talk about when you were growing up, Erica, playing sports, tell me, um, you know, kind of what you did and, and how it shaped you ultimately. Yeah, I had kind of a twisty turvy um, road with sports. So when I was super little, and I still have it today, but I had really bad asthma. Now it's well controlled. But um, I was in and out of the hospital uh, multiple times per year, hospitalizations, like not just ER visits, but like inpatient hospitalizations, lung collapse, things like that. And my parents, God bless them, um, they kind of forced me into playing sports so that I could build up my lung capacity. Um, And so they had me doing things like swimming, um, you know, things that you could, uh, you breath control was like major in terms of, you know, kind of getting through the sport. So swimming um, pretty much every single like ball sport, which I was not good at at all. Um, And then, (laughs) so um, I actually started to notice and they, and then we would have to run the mile in grade school and things like that. And there were other kids who had asthma that would sit out. My parents were like, no, you're not sitting out. You're going to run it. Um, and I honestly think that sports gave me my health. Um, I think it taught me breath control. I think I learned, um, how to kind of get myself to a point and push past it. And, and, you know, there were obviously, that was a growing edge because I was sometimes finishing a basketball game and then being rushed to the hospital. But um, it ultimately, that's what I, I, I credit my health and my ability to kind of act as if I don't have asthma because of sports. And so um, that was one of the reasons why, and I know we'll get to this in a second, but one of the reasons why when I stopped playing water polo, I knew I wanted to go into something else because I was a little bit worried that like my lung capacity would kind of go downhill. And I was just, I'm thinking like there has to be something else. So um, yeah, I credit all of that to my experience with sports. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, I give you credit because I, I think now as you're telling the whole story just about, you know, being a marathon runner and having mm-hmm. asthma, that just seems like, a, like, it seems like it'd be kind of a recipe for disaster. So I guess <laughs> point, building it up over time, it was probably really helped you. Yeah, definitely. And I did two Ironmans too. Um, so when I first started marathon running, I used to run with my inhaler and um, I, in the Ironman, I was like, shoot, how am I going to do this? Um, so I actually got myself to a place where I didn't need my inhaler. So I don't, now I don't need to do races with it. But when I first started marathon running, I did have it with me. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can see the progress in terms of the lung capacity and the ability, um, that my body now has to be able to kind of show up the way I want it to show up versus what was happening when I was little. Yeah, that, that, that's great. So. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, when we're talking about uh, athletes transitioning to sports, and you know, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning, it, it is a major problem today. But um, when you were in school, um, was there any education that you saw from the from the university around helping athletes as they transition out of sports, um, either at you know within the school itself or maybe like uh, alumni also? You know, so I'm going to date myself here, but I graduated from Purdue in 95. So it was a while back. And no, not that I was aware of Um, in terms of during the actual like school year and that whole curriculum. um, I have seen since then there are lots of alumni opportunities for connection and things like that. Um, But not back in the day, um, <laughs> not 1995. And I know that was quite a while ago. So I, w- I, I went to school before you did. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, so 87, since you already shared yours. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it, it's definitely changed and it, it's, it's gotten better. But I think it's something um, that is important. And um, a mm-hmm. lot of times you hear about um, in the alumni space too, like these athletes, whether it be from you know coming out of college sports or coming out of professional sports uh sometimes there's that lack of education because they were so focused on their sport and and even if the schools Mm -hmm. did have stuff they might not necessarily participate so i I think it's real important um Mm -hmm. and and we're trying to do things like that to help so um, absolutely yeah it's um and and we'll i think as we kind of talk just about some of the things you're doing today uh some of that will definitely play in and probably into you know, maybe if they might have gotten better education or things like that, it, it might have changed a little bit the trajectory of maybe some of the potential issues they have today. Uh, mm-hmm. But another area that, that's real important um, it, to us, and, you know, alumni direct is it's all about um, networking, connecting, and, and that yeah. also that alumni experience. But um, uh, I guess the first thing kind of tapping into alumni. So like you said, back when you were at school, maybe there was some alumni engagement. When I'm talking about alumni engagement, it's more about, um, in this case, talking about maybe athletes coming back to the school and not, mm. not necessarily in a sense of like, Hey, there's a homecoming game and they're just there or a golf tournament, but more about being maybe in that, that mentor capacity. I mean, did you see any of that um, when you were in school or if not then, do you see any of that today based on you know, some of the conversations you have with other athletes? Well, I think because of the nature of like Purdue being big 10 and being kind of football heavy, even though, 
when I was there, they weren't that good. <laughs> um, but they, um, the, I saw it with the football team, um, but n- not necessarily other sports. And some, somewhat with the basketball team too, because our basketball team was actually good when we were when I was there. Um, Glenn Robinson was on the team at that time. But um, so, like those two, like headliner sports, I think those were the ones that it was pretty clear. Like those were the you know, the premier sports, those are the ones that got most of the attention. And I mean, I think that's just the nature of going to like a big 10 school. Um, so, or at least it was in the nineties. Um, so yeah, I mean, there were definitely some alumni things around the basketball players and the football players, but not necessarily other sports. And I hung out with a lot of swimmers too. Um, but I don't know, they had like, uh, like a, an alumni swim meet where some of the alums would come back and they would do like a swimming, but there wasn't anything um, that I was aware of that was like organized beyond something like that. Right. And, and I think it's a challenge sometimes too. I've talked to some other athletes and uh, I actually I remember I was talking to an agent and her player uh, uh, had played in the NFL, had success, but um, when he wanted to kind of go back and give back to the college and, not that they shunned him, but it wasn't like something that was like, oh, hey, come on back. And I think that's something that's mm-hmm. important. I think, you know, alumni getting involved and helping out and it should be welcomed. And then part of what I've seen or what I've heard the problem is sometimes it's the fact of like changes in maybe the change in the athletic department, new athletic director, yeah. or it could be coaching staff. And you know, you've got a new coaching staff that, you know, probably when you were there, your coach would do anything to help out maybe in, in you know, like in your future, like for any sport for that matter. But yeah. um, once they leave and then a new generation of coaches come in, they might kind of forget the alumni and they're kind of more concentrated on the people that they coached. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think. I mean, it's so cool what you're doing, Rob, because I think at least from what I've seen with doing some work with the swim team at Purdue, I mean, the coaches have a gazillion different things that they're working with and try, especially when they don't have help with recruiting and things like that. It's like the alumni are last on their list because they're trying to like, you know, get new talent in and new, you know, new student athletes. And um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it, they've, they've got a lot, unless they have like a full coaching staff underneath them that can kind of support some of the alums. I think it can be really, really overwhelming for coaches to be able to, kind of wear that hat too. Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, that's some of, like you said, you brought, we're, we're, we're trying to, um, you know, ideally go into athletic departments and um, with kind of, I always call it the SWAT team, but basically a team of resource partners that would be mental health, financial literacy, career services, things of that nature that can mm-hmm. go in and become that, maybe that, uh, you know, kind of that partner to help the athletes out. And, and not only the current athletes, but again, bringing those alumni athletes back and giving them a chance at, um, at getting some of these resources that, that they didn't have access to when they were playing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. So um, one of the things um, that we talk about as well is just the whole networking connecting. I mean, obviously, you know, we can talk about, you know, the world you're in today and I'm sure like me, you probably use it a lot, but talk about mm-hmm. the importance of that, of networking and connecting and doing it while you're still playing. Oh, I think it's so important. Um, and I mean, you're like the master networker. So um, I, I know you probably know more, know more about this than I do. But I think it's so powerful when athletes can use their current situation to connect with other athletes. So like um, whether it's to promote 
you know, something that's important to them or to connect with other people who are, you know, maybe a little bit more advanced in terms of their uh, graduation or what they're doing next. Um, and also, I think it helps the athlete not only connect and create a community, but I also think it helps the athlete in terms of, and this is where my psychology background comes in, but in terms of like really um, feeling more grounded in like their identity, because I think it's so it's so easy for all of us as athletes to kind of define ourselves by, you know, our sport and what we do. And especially if you're going pro or, you know, when that ends, it's like, well, who am I? Um, but if you have that network of people who are, athletes and something else, or, um, you know, they're contributing to something larger than them, even if that's, you know, that they decide they want to have a family and that's what they're contributing to. I think it's just so many, there's so many levels that it's so powerful on, not just having a network where you might be able to be introduced to another career or something else that you might want to do, but also just in terms of the psychological, um, impact that having that community really allows for. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, I, I encourage people to network and connect and, um, you know, especially, you know, when they are planning, I mean, I, uh, you know, I was talking to one agent and he said that, you know, what happens is most athletes are so focused on the sport and really the best time to network and connect is when they're playing. And yeah. all of a sudden, if they don't do that, they're done and like, okay, what's next? And to your point, um, I think a lot of athletes get hung up on that whole thing, which we'll talk more about is, is uh, looking at themselves as a sport. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it depends also on, um, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the, you know, the attitude you have, I, I guess, is important with that, uh, that whole space. Uh, so let's, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to shift over to uh, kind of the, the hot topic today in, in uh, college sports, and even in high school sports, um, yeah. is, uh, NIL, name, image, likeness. And give me your thoughts, just both positive and negative from what you're seeing. Uh, obviously, like when you were in sport, when I was in sport, it wasn't around. I mean, it, I joke around, I guess, in a sense, the boosters were for the NIL back then. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, but uh, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely benefits to it. I think it is, uh, this is obviously my opinion. So I know people sure. are well more versed in the NIL than I am. Um, but I mean, I do think that there's some merit in not just having the school benefit from you know, who you are and what you, what you actually provide for the school. Um, and, and having that, you know, some, something is going to the athlete by means of that. Um, but I also think one of the things that I have seen, which I, maybe people have talked about previously on your podcast, but, um, they can, I think, create sometimes some disparity in terms of a team culture. Um, sometimes depending on what school you go to and what kind of, um, celebrity you kind of have uh there are period there are like instances where some athletes <laughs> bring in more money than their coach and then they don't want to listen to their coach or there's um you know one athlete who is making a lot of money and then the team members get you know a little bit like resentful or irritated or whatever so i think there's a lot of different layers to it and so that's why you know when people usually ask me about nil i'm like oh man <laughs> it's so loaded. I don't even, I, there's so much I don't know. These are just the things that I've seen that um, I think can be potential pitfalls, but I also think it's completely valid that the athletes should be able to benefit from the things that they're doing. So I don't know if that's a clear answer. 
Yeah, no, it, it is. And I mean, you're right. Everybody has different opinions on it. I think, um, you know, I also do another podcast called NIL for you. And it's, it's all about education. Cause I think that's, that's the key is, um, that there, there's a need for education. I mean, there's, you know, between the athletes, their families, the coaches, you hear a lot of stories. I always bring them up on different podcasts of just, you know, ways that, um, potentially hurt. I mean, athletes, like there's one story where there's a, uh, an athlete, he got an NIL deal, like $40,000 deal and, uh, ended up spending all the money with his friend, yeah. which I, you know, I can see that understandable, you know, younger kids or whatever like that. Yeah. Uh, but what happened though was, because of getting that 40000 it, it brought the family's uh, income higher to where he lost his scholarship. And yes. something like that should never happen. So mm -hmm. there's definitely um, there's a need for education out there. And then also you brought up some good points about um, people playing uh, you know, uh, together where one person making a lot of money and how do the other people feel about it. W one thing that um, has been interesting is talking to some of the female athletes. It seems like in women's sports it's been a little bit different where – it's, it's more been spread out amongst the team. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, some female athletes are, you know, doing really well, making a lot yeah. of money, but there's also teams that are kind of working together and getting this NIL money, which is, which is great. That is. And I don't know if it's, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say that it's a female male thing, but I think, you know, because there's definitely, I'm not going to, there's definitely cattiness on the female side. I'm not going to say, but I think also um, just because female sports hasn't been um, as like high profile as male sports, I think women are more used to kind of pulling together and supporting each other. Um, but I mean, I could be way off on that. It's just something, you know, that no, seems I, like it I, might I, play a role. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, and it kind of leads into um, the next thing we'll, we'll kind of talk about um, transitioning out of sports and your transition out of sports. But one of the things that was, I guess, interesting kind of along the lines we we're just talking about is I think, um, the biggest challenge is, is, you know, the mindset, you know, obviously when you're still the athlete in college and, and because of some of the, um, inequalities in, in women's sports, knowing that, okay, they're not going to get this major payday, like, you know, mm -hmm. maybe an NFL player might get or major league baseball NBA player. So they tend to be, um, the female athletes might be a little more grounded in knowing like, okay, here's the next steps and the transition might not be as hard. Like for me, I was a runner in college. Mm -hmm. I got hurt my sophomore year, but I also knew that I was okay. I was a varsity runner, but I wasn't good enough to ever be an Olympian. So that transition mm -hmm. for me wasn't hard and I can see the same thing there. So let's talk about your transition um, out of uh, water polo and, you know, kind of getting into the real world for so once you were done with college. Yeah, I mean, similarly to you, I knew I wasn't good enough. And actually, there was nowhere to go. We were signing petitions, um, and I wouldn't have made the team anyways, to get women's water polo be an Olympic sport. So um, that wasn't, it was kind of like you're done after college. So we had the awareness that it was coming to an end. Um, I do remember my final match um, just being aware that this was it and like actually laying back uh, in the natatorium in the water and just like looking around and being like, okay, this is it. And like really just taking it all in. And I'm really grateful that I had that like presence of mind to do that um, because that experience really sticks out in my head. Um, and then, you know, like getting out of the pool for the last time and all of it, it, it was, it was very, um, it was kind of burned in my memory, but I also knew that, 
I needed to figure something else out if I wanted to continue to do something athletic. And um, that's when, thanks to my mom who ran a marathon, I think when she was 40, um, I was like, oh, she could do it. I could do it. So then I started the marathon running. But I'm also grateful that I did have a clear path in terms of what I wanted to do with my career, because I think that also really helped. So I didn't have my identity totally wrapped up. Now, I will say that you take away sport from me, and I know that's a huge part of my identity, but it wasn't everything. Um, and so I think that was really helpful in terms of my transition and the fact that I knew there was really nowhere else to go um, after I was done. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I mean, uh, and, you know, like, you know, like, you know, the parallel, I guess, you were, you know, brought up with, with mine as, as well, is just kind of knowing that the next steps. And I think the, the challenge is that a lot of athletes, like you talked about earlier, tend to think of themselves as a sport and not as the person. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's what we're really want to make an impact in helping these athletes as they transition out. So, um, you know, because you're kind of in this space and you, and you do coaching and all that with, with athletes, um, mm-hmm. give some advice to athletes of just when their sport is done, whether it be from a collegiate level or professional level, uh, you know, kind of guide the athletes on some thoughts of how to get through it quicker and, and more successfully. Well, I think what you said um, in terms of the alumni support when they're still playing or like creating a network when they're still playing, like to me, my my business, I started out wanting to help athletes in transition and it's actually evolved to help athletes while they're still competing um, because it really does lay the groundwork for, you know, we are looking at things like, you know, what, how else do you define yourself besides, you know, being an athlete? Like what else is important to you? So we go through things like, and and this is something that, you know, anyone who's listening to this can kind of take these exercises and work with them a little bit, but like um, kind of looking at what your, your uh, qualities and skills are, not just like, oh, you know, I got a A in this, class or whatever I majored in this, but really like what people tell you you're good at, or perhaps even in your sport, if you were a leader or if you were really good at anticipating or all of those things are, are actually like transferable skills. And I think getting an awareness of that can be one of the foundations for actually looking at the bigger question of like, who am I really? And then also taking a look at your core values. And this is another big thing that I work with my clients on a lot is just really getting some clarity, at least five core values that without them, you just don't feel like you. So a core value could be something like, you know, being integrity. So like doing what you say, saying what you mean, showing up when you say you're going to show up. Um, And I'm using that because that's one of my core values, but um, integrity, uh, family, uh, you know, fun. That's an amazing core value. So like relationships, um, loyalty, financial freedom, like all of these different things are um, core values. And so really as an athlete, if you're retired or you know that your career is coming to an end, whether you're collegiate, high school, or even professional, having an understanding of like, what are my core values? Like what, what if you took away what I would I feel like there's a huge hole and something's missing or how do I make decisions? Like what guides my decision making? Because a lot of times if you take a look at that, you'll see there are some core values under underlying those things. So those are two huge um, 
components, I think, of getting clear on, you know, who you are beyond your sport. And then another thing is just taking a look at kind of the legacy you want to leave. And it might sound morbid, but really, when you think about like, what you want to be remembered for? Is it because you scored so and so, what, however much, you know, or depending on your sport? Or, you know, is it because you made an impact on, you know, hunger or children in foster care or, you know, perhaps contributed to the earth in some way? You know, there's, there's usually, and this is something that I've seen in every single one of my clients, and this might be. Um, I don't think this is specific to my experience, but I guess I can't really speak to any other experience, but every single one of my clients, whether it's therapy setting or coaching setting has had this kind of pull. And I think this is part of the human, the amazing thing about the human spirit, this pull to contribute um, in some way, shape or form. And so really when you tap into that, it takes you outside of just, this is what I do and the, the box that we can easily find ourselves in. Um, when we see ourselves like as a part of something or, I mean, I think that's part of sports too. Like we see ourselves as part of a team or we see ourselves as, you know, a boilermaker in my case or whatever. Um, but really having this, like my legacy, like, what do I want to contribute to? What's important to me? You know, is it in the environment? Is it family? Is it, you know, kids, is it animals, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think that kind of gives the broader, the broader, spectrum and really is an opportunity for us to begin to think of ourselves in different ways. And um, that's something that I think is a really powerful exercise, especially if you're feeling kind of lost. Yeah, no, and that's great. I mean, I, hopefully, and again, as, as people, you know, listen to or, or watch this podcast, I mean, that's just great advice um, that Eric gave. And, and that's what we want to do. I mean, it's all, like I said, it's all about teaching inspiring athletes that there is life after sports. And those are some great tips, you know, even kind of, um, one of the things you mentioned about transferable skills, uh, this mm -hmm. is something, uh, it was interesting. I had uh, one of my uh, former podcast guests. Uh, he was a football player in college, and ultimately he was done after that. But uh, he went into the business world, and he uh, you know, worked his way up and became a very successful CEO for some large companies. And the one thing that his message was to implore athletes that use your skill set. I mean, the mm -hmm. team building, the leadership skills, uh, just the perseverance, hard work, because people want to hire athletes because of all those yes. skill sets. So in, instead of being wrapped up in the world of, okay, um, I'm done, I was a football player, now what? Like, think mm -hmm. about how you can take those skills into other areas, which you kind of alluded to there, which, which I, I think is great. Yeah. So with the transferable skills, one of the things that I've seen that I think is really sad is so many athletes feel like they don't have transferable skills, um, but it's it's absolutely the case that they do. And, um, you know, when you can kind of start to pick apart, like what makes them successful in their sport, um, I think that's one of the things that can, you know, then they start to kind of realize like, oh, well, wait a second, this is actually really possible and to be used in the in the business world or whatever world they want to go into after sports yeah no that that makes sense so let's talk about um so once you transition out of water polo we kind of already have been talking about it but talk about so you got into um you know family therapy and therapy and then ultimately leading up to what you're doing today so talk a little bit about um you know your experience in in coaching athletes and, you know, obviously we're not getting any specifics, but maybe some of the, 
maybe some of the challenges that they have and, and solutions that you might bring. And then ultimately we'll talk about, you know, what you're doing today with your business. Yeah. Well, when I started working with athletes, I started to see like, oh, well, these are, these are my people. Cause they take, they take what you're saying and they do something with it. So I think that's another transferable skill is being able to listen and actually, if something resonates with you, integrate it, not just hear it, but actually take action on, you know, <clears throat> on what it is. And so uh, my, my experience with being in the therapy arena was, um, first of all, I was getting a little bit stifled, feeling like I wanted to have a bigger impact. And there's only so many hours in a day. And we, we've called them like button chair hours where you can see so many people. Um, and I just really wanted, because I, I, I felt like once I started seeing these athletes and their spouses, I was just noticing that there were these needs and these gaps uh, that I just wanted to be able to fill. And so that's what led me to get certified as a coach. And then I opened my coaching business, which is a different business than my therapy business, because there's a ton of ethics associated with therapy and I just wanted it to be cleaner. Um, but really the idea was to serve and support athletes as they are transitioning away from sport or if they have already transitioned and are struggling. Um, so obviously there's a lot of mental health issues that could, you know, kind of arise by means of transition. Um, so that's a component, but I think like we talked about earlier, when we start to address like the core of your identity and how you see yourself, I think sometimes, you know, when you feel a little bit more grounded in that, and this is something that I think I spoke to earlier, but, um, you know, this is one of the major focal points of my coaching with each and every one of my clients is that, you know, you're far more than anything you do. And so that then sparks ideas for how they want to use the remainder of their life. And as you know, I mean, so many athletes are so young when their career ends, yeah. they have, you know, maybe four more chapters after, you know, I don't know, like, or five, you know, so um, just having that that light go on where it's like, oh, I, there's something else that I love and there's something else they want to pour my life force energy into. And, um, and then, you know, kind of getting, helping them get some clarity on that. And it's not just career though. I think, you know, I'm speaking to identity a lot because it has it, like, in my opinion, it's the guiding, the guiding light here with everything. Um, and it's actually kind of evolved too now since I became a mom and I'm an older mom. I had my son at 46, um, but I started to get really curious about ways that I can support female athletes specifically around all of the transitions that come with motherhood and balancing their career and making a decision for having a baby and timing and you know the social and emotional and the physical challenges that all come with that. Um, so that's been something that's kind of like, the newer thing that I've been doing lately and I love it. Um, so really supporting female athletes and, and knowing that there's a space for them and um, you know, that, that they can get like some community support and then also professional support. And, you know, so many of my professional athletes who are female have thought like, well, I can't have a baby until my career is over. And so that's something else. Like we just, you know, take a look at that and, um, I think a lot of women too are inspired by my story. The fact that I had my son when I was 46, um, and I didn't have to use any medical 
assistance with that. Um, so I think that's also kind of a, a thing that women like to hear when they're thinking about wanting to have a family, but also our professional athletes. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, just listening to, um, you know, you sharing that now is, um, just the whole adjusting, like, you know, on the, maybe not on the fly, but like just looking at your mm -hmm. business and, you know, everybody, I mean, people make adjustments in life and it, and that's, again, I think another skill set of an athlete, which is, uh, you know, apparent here is that you're making those adjustments to, you know, what's needed out there and still serving, you know, the one area, but finding another area that you can help, um, you know, mm -hmm. which, which is, which is great. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's talk about, um, you know, we've, we've kind of probably talked about most of it, but talk about, um, you know, your business today, your coaching business and, um, you know, ultimately how people can find you. I always talk about, I'll say in the beginning of the show, I kind of, you know, I do that 30,000 foot view. Here's Erica, but now yeah. this is, uh, this is a little bit of like, uh, the commercial for Erica, but, but share with what you're doing and, and how you're reaching people, how they can find you. Uh, thanks. Yeah. So, um, I'm located in Chicago, Illinois, but I have clients all over the world. Um, we do the time zone thing. We meet via zoom. Um, there's lots of ways I'm on Instagram at Erica Fay, which is real easy. People message me there. Um, I also, my website is a great way to get in contact with me. It's MaximumAchievementCoaching.com, which I know is a mouthful. Um, I actually have, and I don't know when this is going to go live, but I actually have a masterclass coming up for elite female athletes. And the date for that is October 23rd. So that's complimentary. Um, people can just message me if they want the registration link and um i'm happy to you know have people email me or whatever which i know is kind of old school but i check my email so <laughs> and it's erica and it's erika at maximumachievementcoaching.com so instagram or email would probably be the surefire way to get in contact with me gotcha that's on october 23rd coming up yep october 23rd Okay, so we'll we'll make sure we put this in the show notes, and I'll make a note. Okay, I, I got to make sure that we have this this out there before that, so that can, <laughs> yeah, take take advantage of it. So um, now th this has been great, Erica. Um, you can find us at alumnidirect.com, uh, and also I, I um, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, X. Uh, but yeah. I really encourage people to watch uh, or listen to the podcast. We're across all the podcast networks. Uh, we're also on our alumni direct YouTube channel and we really want to get the message out to help athletes out. It's, it's such a major issue today. And you mm -hmm. know, I love what you're doing, Erica, you're making a big impact in this area. And, you know, we want to do the same. We want to try to bring, um, these athletes together resources and, and, and really make an impact. So, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's been great having you. Thanks. Thank you. And I love what you're doing too. I checked out your alumni direct website and it's awesome. And so definitely. Happy to help in any way I can. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure.